Welcome to Knives Out Minute. I'm your host for this week, Ryan Murphy, and joining me is my guest for this week, Drew Stewart. Uh, This is minute number 68, and today we'll be covering from one hour, seven minutes, and zero seconds to one hour, seven minutes, and 59 seconds. Uh, Our minute starts today with uh, Benoit Blanc finishing his statement that someone went to a great deal of of trouble to break into Harlan Thromby's rooms, Uh, and we end with... uh, Alan, uh, played by Frank Oz, uh, explaining why uh, he believes it's beneficial for the will to be read in a uh, gathering, uh, because Harlan and we we cut off, and we'll we'll get to that in tomorrow's minute. Indeed so, yeah, uh, what do you think of this minute? It, just in general, it this was my favorite minute of the movie when I saw it for the first <laughs> time, uh, like. I don't, I don't, I don't want to skip ahead to the middle part, I guess, but sure. But Frank Oz, like, well, well absolutely. I, I mean, just, just Frank Oz in general. I think I swore out loud in the theater. I think I, that was <laughs> like, it was fun to see it in the preview thing. Like I said, and everybody was, you know, reacting and stuff, but I was the only person who was like, Frank Oz. Woo. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we, we start this minute, um, with Blanc sort of finishing his, uh, what he realized in the last minute. Uh, and he does turn to Marta and says, the game is afoot, eh, Watson? Uh, and as with the other minutes in this, uh, segment, I, I, I don't know the way Marta just reflects her inner terror (laughs) at realizing like, it seems like Blanc is going to catch me. Oh no. (laughs) Now, the question is, is she too close to be a suspect or is she so Mm. close it's going to be easy for her to get caught? Like, that may be what's going through her mind in that shot as it zooms in and he's like calling her Watson because he's like asked her to be his partner in solving this crime. Like, does that absolve her of being a suspect? Like, like, surely that, that stuff's going through her mind and... And you can just see it all playing out as she's like, where am I caught? Is this, is this the end? What's happening? He's <laughs> so still calling I, me so Watson. <laughs> on that uh, sort of relationship that they have, uh, what do you think of that relationship? Because, I mean, in the early parts of the movie, when he discovers her uh, condition, uh, whereby she can't... Uh, lie it it, i don't know it it seems this their relationship at this point in the movie seems very much a partnership and hey i need you to be around because i value your input uh as opposed to when that's first introduced the first thing he does is like try to use it several times (laughs) like ask her things to prompt her to lie to see if like hey i can i can check whether something's true really easily So I I guess, what do you think of the relationship having moved from something that, you know, could have felt a lot more, 
you know, yeah, is she Blanc using Marta as a tool? Yeah, is she as a opposed tool to versus, a partner? Versus a partner. Yeah. Um, I th- I like how it transitions from from him trying to use her like that to trying to like use her knowledge instead of using her skill. Is that a skill? I don't right. know if that's a skill. It's, the lie detector it, isn't really a skill. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but it's it's definitely using her yeah. as a partner, I, I really like. And it's mm-hmm. it's something we'll we'll talk about uh at the end of the episode, but like can you do a sequel without Marta? Like can you do a sequel without right. like a, a straight partner? Um and and I think maybe you can because she doesn't really she isn't really a partner so much right. as she's a different kind of tool, maybe. Right, yeah. Um as as is revealed later in the movie. Um mm-hmm. but but at this point I think that that it's it's interesting how he's depending on her as as perhaps the innocent one. Because she's not part yeah. of the family, like, and she knows right. all the ins and outs, and, uh, like that would be useful to him, uh, even if she didn't yeah, throw absolutely. up whenever she lied. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so we move uh, back downstairs. The whole family is assembled, and uh, we get Frank Oz. Uh, so, uh, you know, he he thanks the family for coming in. Notes that this isn't legally necessary, uh, and. Uh, explains that he thought it would be valuable because they're all in town. Uh, so, yeah, what do we want to say about Frank Oz in as this movie? As soon as I saw his bald head, I was <laughs> just like, Frank Oz. And then it hit me. Like, of course Frank Oz. Like, you just finished making a Star Wars movie. You went yep. out of your way <laughs> to make sure that it was a puppet so that Frank right. Oz would be on set. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that you could become friends with him and then have him cameo in your movies, like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's the perfect scam. Like that's probably <laughs> the only reason he wanted to do a Star Wars movie was to like I want to be friends yeah. with Frank Oz. I'm gonna write Yoda into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, and you want to be it, friends with Frank Oz? Of course, I think that's you know a general. I think that applies to. More or less everyone. I mean, it would it would be very nice to to know Frank let's, Oz. Let's recap Frank Oz for those who who are listening who may not know, may not have recognized him. Like yes. we're talking one of the original Muppet performers who did mm-hmm. Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and Sam the Eagle, and then he went on to become a good uh, a famous director. Uh, what mm-hmm. all did he direct? He directed Blues Brothers, right? Or did he just cameo? He just cameoed in Blues Brothers. Uh, but he he does direct. Uh, I mean, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, Dirty uh, Rotten I, Scoundrels is one of my favorites. I forgot he directed. Yeah, that. The Dark Crystal. I mean, there, there's just yeah. I mean, his career has been. Yeah, he got the job. Astonishing. Jim Henson uh, gave him co-directing experience on dark crystal because that's what he really wanted to do he wanted to get out of just being a muppet performer he wanted to be a a, a director so when they when they were making the dark crystal uh they let frank direct a lot of it so they could get that experience um so that he could uh go off on his own and he has 
and yeah absolutely i appreciate that he doesn't like deny his like puppeteering roots like it, it was never something that he wanted to be but it was just something he fell into and he was good at and he really played right. off of Jim Henson. And I appreciate that like he put together the the uh, uh, Muppet Guys Talking documentary. And yeah. like he still appreciates it's not like, oh, you know, that silly puppet show I was on. Like he really appreciates the work that he did in the seventies and eighties and early nineties. But he also like can be a, a serious director and a writer yeah and and he'll come to your cameos if you befriend him on set <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go it's actually uh you know in watching these minutes i did take a moment to go back and just like look at some uh interviews with frank Oz from you know the 70s and it's it really is like he's he's uh there's an interview he did with the cbc where you know as the interview begins he's sitting there with the you know torso and arm of cookie monster (laughs) um and the way he's able to demonstrate that you know it's not a you know what i'm you know what he's doing is not ventriloquism he's you know he just speaks as cookie monster and everyone in the interview turns to cookie monster as though the puppet like is it's it's amazing how that happens like i watch interviews with jim henson and when and he'll, he'll talk about it with, like, Johnny Carson. He'll just... He's like, you're not looking at me. Like, I'm watching yeah. it to get an idea of, like, Jim Henson. And I'm still just staring at the puppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's That, that was exactly my, uh, you know, experience in watching this CBC interview. I'm like, oh, I you know, I want to hear him talk about being the voice of Cookie Monster. And as soon as Cookie Monster starts, it, there's something in my my brain that is like still there from when I was four. That's like, Oh, cookie monster. <laughs> we need to listen. I'm not to interested monster. in Frank Oz anymore. <laughs> yeah. He, he's doing stuff. Uh, but I mean here, obviously he's, uh, you know, in this role as the, as the attorney. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love his performance in it's, this. I think it was great. It's the perfect role for him. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly him behind a desk. So he doesn't have to like <laughs> he doesn't have to stand at any point like yeah it's it's the perfect cameo like just sit there <laughs> read some things and uh you know that's it <laughs> yeah yeah there there is an extent to which it's kind of like um I don't know it's kind of like for me seeing like Jim Cummings in a role mm-hmm. Where he's not like, oh, that's Jim Cummings doing a thing, and he's not being Winnie the Pooh. Like this, this, this person is such a big part of you know the collective childhood over the past decades. I, I used to have uh, a Star Trek: The Original Series podcast, and there's an episode, um, uh, Wolf in the Fold, where Scotty is possessed by Jack the Ripper. That's not important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It's not actually Scotty that's possessed by Jack the Ripper. It's Piglet. Like, it's the original voice of Piglet, and it is so distracting. Yeah, yeah. But I I feel like (laughs) Frank Oz, his characters are enough of a different voice that you're not distracted. Like, oh, somebody's puppeteering that old man. (laughs) Right, yeah. You wouldn't be, you know, if you didn't, uh, you're watching this movie you didn't know anything about Frank Oz or what he looks like 
physically, uh, you would not think, oh, I'm watching, you know, the voice of Yoda. I'm watching the voice of all of, yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm saying this about all of the, all of the actors in this movie. I love his performance, but I also, I mean, we're on a podcast where we're talking about this movie minute by minute. So that probably (laughs) that we enjoy this movie probably goes on. Yes. Um, so we, we continue on in the minute. Uh, we get to Blanc uh, coming in and saying, uh, you know, I'm going to gently request that you all stay in town until the investigation is completed. And then Lieutenant Elliot immediately following up with, I'm going to have to make that in order. No one leaves town for now. And what does uh, that mean? And- Are they under arrest? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure what it means to, to have that like be that? in order. Yeah, it's he. I mean, he says it with enough confidence that I. I think if I were in that room, I wouldn't leave. The, but the first couple times that I watched it in this movie, until you know, I sat down with these minutes, is I thought he said, "I'm not going to make that an order." Like he was, he was, mm. uh, like maybe he thought that that Blanc was being too forceful, even with his gentle request. But then reading right. the script and watching it again, I'm like, "Oh, he's he's saying no, you." you absolutely do not leave town. Yeah. I do like that. He's uh, I mean, whether that's a thing that you can do or not, I like that. He's uh, not only backing up Blanc, but also like adding some legal credibility to these aren't, please stay in town. Like these are, these are cops who are doing their job and they're not just running around fanboying. They're actually like doing things and, yeah, I think that that's something that that a character like that could just be put on the sidelines to just be another joke. But they're like they're actual characters running around this movie, and I really appreciate yeah. that. So after hearing that, uh, the family is confused, and Joni asks, uh, "Can we ask why? Has something changed?" Uh, Blanc responds, "No," and her response is, "No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask." which I think is a interesting launching point to, to talk a little bit more about Tony Collette's performance in this movie. She is incredible. Apparently uh, looking her up, I've seen her in a lot of things, but she'd never really mm-hmm. jumped out at me until, um, uh, I'm not a big scary movie person, especially not in the mm-hmm. theaters, but I'd heard enough good things about hereditary that I took my wife to the movie theater to see it. Still not my thing. In fact, I really don't like that movie at all. But <laughs> Tony Collette in that movie should have won every single award that's ever existed mm. for years past, future, that year, anything. Like, her performance was just extraordinary. So now I've got my eye on her. So when I, I saw yeah. that she was in this movie, I was like, oh. You know, when it, when I was watching the movie, I was like, that's the lady from, from Hereditary. This is going to be great. Yeah. And I was just, uh, she's great in it. She has that, that kind yeah. of, she can play that deadpan. Uh, they all can, like all the actors in the movie. That's why they're in it. But like, she right. has this way with, with, with the deadpan, you know, is that a joke? Is she being serious kind of thing that, that, mm-hmm. that just makes this movie work? Like, cause it could be a goofy clue movie. And, right, and yeah. you know, I'm sure some of the trailers try to advertise it like that. But, you know, it's it's 
it's serious, but it's not too serious. And I think that that Tony Collette is is the, one of the perfect actresses to to help get that across. That it's it yeah. it can be serious, but it's also funny. And and that line, that delivery with "No, we can't ask," or <laughs> it's just yeah, it's perfect, and it's just completely ignored by the movie. Right? Yeah. No, she she definitely says it in this kind of like she's I I don't recall if the if she's actively rolling her eyes while saying this, <laughs> but it definitely feels like she's rolling her eyes while giving that line. It's I I feel like Joni is one of the like. Obviously, you know, a lot of these characters are uh, sort of fleshed out in different ways. I feel like I have a very good understanding of, like, what it would be like to interact with Joni in just, like, <laughs> a personal capacity. If you, if you That's like... That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think she she really embodies Joni. Uh, and we, we get a really clear sense of, of who that character is meant to be through Tony Collette's performance. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, we, we end our minute with, uh, Blanc, uh, prompting, uh, Alan Stevens, uh, to continue. And he says, uh, the other reason I thought this gathering would be beneficial is because Harlan, <gasps> and we'll get into what Harlan did, uh, on the next minute. You'll have so, to wait to tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very handy, uh, for Ryan Johnson to end our minute here with a cliffhanger. Uh, so the uh, question for today, um, without really giving spoilers, and we've already uh, sort of uh, addressed some of this, what are your thoughts on sequel ideas or potential titles for a sequel? Okay, here's the pitch that I came up with. So Blanc goes home to the Blanc family reunion, right? All of the actors, I'm on board. all of the family are played by British actors doing Southern accents. <laughs> Whether they're the same Southern accent or different, I don't care. <laughs> I think better if different. <laughs> but uh, one of them is murdered, of course. And mm-hmm. can Blanc solve the crime when he may be one of the suspects? <laughs> I would absolutely watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so so the the titles i came up with were home cooked murder chicken and deathlings yes. and murder on my mind because i imagine he's from georgia <laughs> yeah yeah there, there's definitely i i i like the idea of just like it's so what do you think of uh what do you think of daniel craig's decisions uh about his accent in this movie just generally it's 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 pretty solid like i i i grew mm-hmm. up in the south uh not the deep south just tennessee here and mm-hmm. so i'm familiar with with the 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 southern accents i think that he's he's doing a solid accent i don't know where it's supposed to be from it's kind of it's kind of georgia fried um i'm i'm glad that he I'm glad that he went for it though. Like yeah. The the Hugh Laurie Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, flat where they just right. remove all emotion from from their accent and that's what makes it American. Uh yeah. 
I appreciate that, that Daniel Craig is like, I'm playing a Southern character in this and Logan Lucky. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't really know that he was British, you know, you kind of might buy that he's maybe an American doing a Southern accent. Right, yeah. But but I appreciate that that character trait. As as French as his name sounds, I you know, it's funnier that he's got a southern accent. And and yeah. I appreciate that he goes all in for it, which is why I want the sequel to be just <laughs> southern accents. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, no, I, because I, when you're up north, like I imagine that he's mm-hmm. not I don't know where he was like summoned from, but I imagine that right. he's like in the north doing detective work yeah and you kind of like when you're up north you lose whatever accent that you have based on the people around you so like Mm -hmm. him being in the south with his family is gonna would theoretically put that character in an even more comfortable mood which means it'd be even more of a southern draw than it is which would be even more fun yeah no i i I am all on board to uh, <laughs> to have this be uh, a maybe a series of sequels. I don't know. I I, I think that's a really great idea. Uh, yeah. Or, <laughs> I, or I just like let somebody write books. You know, like I don't know. Yeah. If Ryan needs to do it, or Ryan can like oversee it. But I'm I'm all about uh, you know because I'm a Star Wars guy. Like I really love like mm-hmm. the extended universe kind of stuff. And I think that more yeah. movies should have comic book prequels. And you know True. novel sequels and all that kind of stuff. Like let's 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 make it a franchise. It doesn't have to be a big movie thing all the time. It could be like, oh look, there's you know this novel for five dollars. You know, yeah. That I, I I feel like that also it 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 does kind of like that also pulls me back to thinking of this as a you know released in what 2019 Agatha Christie uh, story that she never told. Like it's Poirot has uh, his own sort of verbal tics Mm -hmm. and, and things that he, you know, ways he phrases things, ways he speaks. I think that, you know, the decision to give uh, Blanc the accent that he has, I, I think it really does like, I could see reading a book about Benoit Blanc. Yeah. That would be, that'd be all right. Uh, all right. Uh, do we have uh, anything more that we'd like to cover for this episode? I think we're good on this minute. Okay. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? I'm going to plug my uh, Star Wars project, Star Wars VizComp. You can find it at starwarsviscomp.com. And you'll find a blog there with links to all my... Uh, photo galleries and stuff i'm always trying to work on things i just recently released a uh a gallery of what i call the lost art of star wars it's it's shots and map paintings and stuff that just don't exist now and mm-hmm. like these artists worked overtime to finish these shots to be in the movie and now you can only find them if you you know pirate a copy of the theatrical mm. versions and like the artists don't want that. And so right. I just, it's just part of my ongoing evidence gathering for uh, convincing Disney to release the original trilogy. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, once again for joining me today, Drew. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to 
take a moment to follow Knives Out Minute at Knives Out Minute on Twitter. Uh, also, rate and review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, that would mean a lot to us. And we'll see you tomorrow for more Knives